the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He's the one that created marriage, where a, a man and a woman would leave their father and mother and they would cleave to one another. So it's God's design. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I entitled this message, Standing in the Gap. Have you ever stood in the gap? Have you ever been that mediator for someone? Have you ever made a difference in a person's life? Have you had that time of being able to invest in a person with the hope of Christ? Well, I've had many opportunities to do this, uh, especially in marriage counseling. Sometimes, though, in marriage counseling, I feel more like a referee than a counselor. For many who come in for marriage counseling, maybe they should have came in a year earlier or maybe a few years earlier, but they didn't. So by the time that they do come in for counseling, they're ready to claw each other's eyes out. And I just find myself initially just trying to keep them from hurting one another. So, hey, here's a news flash. If you're married and you're having a little rocky road in your marriage, why don't you come in a little earlier before you're ready to kill each other so that we can establish a beachhead of God's word and how a marriage is supposed to work. Remember, it was God that said it's not good for a man to be alone. If it's not good for a man to be alone, obviously it's not good for a woman to be alone. So he's the one that created marriage where a a man and a woman would leave their father and mother and they would cleave to one another. So it's God's design. So if you have God's design, then maybe you should go back to God's word to help make that design work. So I encourage you, if you're having some tough times in your marriage, come in for some marriage counseling. Come in to where we can sit down with you. And listen, we're not on the man's side. We're not on the woman's side. We're on the marriage's side. So that you can come in and you can share and we can establish what God has to say in that marriage. Listen, we're here every week, Tuesday through Saturday, and of course we're here all day Sunday, but we're here so that we can help and assist you. So if you're having some hard times, give us a call, make an appointment and come in. But imagine how many people though, in our sphere of life during COVID, this pandemic especially, who are desperate. They are in desperate need of help. How many are looking for some hope? How many are just literally burning out on life and they're seeking some kind of relief? Yes, people are looking for a break. They're looking for an easier way. You know, we live amongst broken families, do we not? In fact, the Bible talks about marriage and puts such a high esteem on it, but yet we here in America, polls now say that 52% of all marriages end in divorce. So yes, we live amongst broken families. We live amongst broken lives in people. We live amongst broken hearts. 
Yes, there's a lot of hurting people that are here in Los Angeles, but this is where every single one of us as Christians, this is where we fit in. And why is that? Because we have the cure for the broken heart. We have the cure for the crushed in spirit. We have the cure for those who have been kicked down and rejected in this life. I think many times in life, I was used by God in people's lives only by the way of default, okay? Like I was the only one there. That's how come I got used. I'm sure it could have been done much better by someone else. Yet nonetheless, God used me. I remember teaching at a men's retreat for a Calvary chapel. I wasn't the pastor that they initially wanted to come and teach the retreat. I knew that, and it was quite obvious. They asked me to come a week before the retreat. The retreat had been planned for like a year. That just means that the guy that they actually wanted, the guy that they booked, the guy that they had put all their chips on, he called up and said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come. Okay, an emergency came up, whatever the case was. They probably called several other people before they called me, but that's okay, whatever. They called me at last. I was the last guy at the bottom of the barrel. And uh, you know what? I said I would come. And guess what? God used that. And it just so happened that I was the right guy for that particular group of men. And that God really spoke to those men. And there was a massive moving of the Holy Spirit in that. Yes, the same goes for each and every one of you. Because I might not have been the most qualified. I might not have been the one that they wanted. But I was the one that God used in that. So that just meant that God had to pour himself a little bit more into me to make up the gap. Yes, and he did that. Yes, we are the voice that God uses to minister to people. He has chosen us to spread his word to this lost generation. We are the very vehicle that God has chosen to speak truth to our culture in this time that we live in. For our God is a gracious God. He is a merciful God. He loves the lost. He loves those that are lonely and those that feel hopeless. He loves those people. And he's not like certain politicians that will promise you everything under the sun and deliver absolutely nothing. Some of these career politicians, we have them run in California. Look what a mess California is. Why? Because you got career politicians that don't even care anymore. They'll tell you what you want to hear, but they deliver nothing. Only God can bring hope. To a devastated heart. He cares for those that no one else cares for. Yes, God loves and cares for those who have been confronted by devastating circumstances. And I think we have a lot of devastating circumstances since this pandemic hit. Those who have lost loved ones, those feeling left out, those that are feel forgotten. That's why Jesus died the horrific death that he died on the cross. He bore the sin of the world upon his sinless body. That's why he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was reviled for our shame. The Bible says he was like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. He bore our guilt physically upon his body. Why? So that we could be forgiven that we could be cleansed of everything we've ever done. Yes, it's safe to say that God, without question, desires to do a great work in the lives of those that we interact with. 
on a daily basis, along with everyone else in this great city of Los Angeles. But know this, God isn't going to burn a desire to serve him in the hearts of atheists or in the hearts of some cult members or whatever. In reality, God has always, always, and will always do this in the future, use his own children. He will use his sons and his daughters to reach out to the lost. And that, of course, is who? It is you and me. Well, today, as we continue in our study here through the book of Genesis, we will see just why God chose this man, Abraham. And this will once again prove that God is always looking to raise up men and women that have a heart like what he has. So Abraham will demonstrate for us the heart of a man of God. Or maybe it could be better stated, a man with the heart of God. We will consider four points in light of our title here, Standing in the Gap. Number one, wanting to serve. Abraham had a heart where he wanted to serve the Lord. Number two, not believing. Sometimes people just don't believe. God says it, and they don't believe it. Number three, having to see. Some people have to see to believe. They can't just take God's word. They have to see it first. And number four, making an appeal. There's times that we have to stand in the gap for people because they're not seeing something, so we need to stand and appeal for them. Well, let's look at our first point, wanting to serve. As we read together, starting in Genesis chapter 18, of course, we'll pick up in Verse 1, it says, Now the Lord appeared to him, this is to Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes and he looked, behold, three men were standing opposite of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. And he bowed himself to the earth. And he said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, this is the Lord, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah, his wife, of course, and said, Quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd, and he took a tender, young, choice calf, and he gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. Well, we'll stop there for a moment. There's a lot there. Let's break it down. So I wonder if Abraham was praying as he sat in the doorway of his tent, in the heat of the day. Because when he looks up, his head was bowed. But when he looks up, suddenly, who does he see? He sees the Lord. Now, this is known as a theophany. That's a visible manifestation of an actual appearance of God himself in a human form, which, of course, would be Jesus Christ, along with two angels. So this is the same type of an appearance that Jesus made to Joshua when the Israelites had crossed into the promised land right before going to battle to that great city named Jericho. Let me read what it says there. It says in Joshua 5.13, it says, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes. He also had been in prayer. 
And he looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite of him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for the adversaries? And he said, This is God in human form with a sword in his hand. He says, No, I indeed come now as the captain of the Lord of hosts. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down. That's the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis. He bowed down as Abraham had bowed down. And he said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place that you're standing is holy. See, this was not just some angel. This was God himself. Because this is the very words that were spoken to Moses as Moses stood before the burning bush, as a burning bush was a flame of fire, but yet the bush wasn't on fire. And as the voice came out and spoke to Abraham, or spoke to Moses there on the mountain of God, he says, take off your sandals, for the ground that you're standing on is holy. So yes, this was the Lord God himself in a bodily form. Now notice in Genesis chapter 18, verse 2, as soon as soon as Abraham saw the Lord, he knew it was the Lord because he immediately bowed down. Again, that same word in the Hebrew, just like Joshua did, he bowed down. And that word bowed down in that original Hebrew language means he bowed down in worship. Again, not as an angel, as God himself. As you remember, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, there was a couple times when he was getting the vision of writing the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, of all the end time scenarios that we're starting to see happen right now. There's a time that John was so caught up in the heavens and just so overwhelmed that he bowed down in front of the angel that was giving him the tour guide. And the angel says, get up off of your face. Don't bow down to me. I am not the Lord. You only worship the Lord. So yes, this was the Lord God. So here in Genesis 18, it's the first time again that that word is used in the Bible. Here we see Abraham, who at this point has become an extremely wealthy man. He has many servants, yet now he becomes Abraham the servant himself. And as soon as he's finished worshiping the Lord, he greets them with says, hey, can you guys stay for lunch? Let's eat. I love this kind of guy, okay? Let me wash your feet. And he gets Sarah making the baked goods. You know, it's like my wife, you know, hey, make an apple pie, sweetie. We got to do some good things for the Lord here. Then he picks out the choice of the calf, the nicest calf he had, and he slaughters it. He says, man, we're going to have a barbecue. We're going to eat big. Get on the brisket here, okay? Now, notice he doesn't pick the least of the herd. He picked the best of the herd. I wonder, what do we give to the Lord when we give to him? Do we give the Lord our best? I mean, think about it. Or do we give the Lord, well, the leftovers? Do we give the best of our time? Do we give the Lord the best of our efforts? Do we give the Lord the best of our resources? What do we give him? Or do we give the Lord what's, well, not important to us? I don't really want it anyway. Do we give them our leftover time, leftover resources, leftover finances? Well, that was not the case with Abraham. Not only did he give the Lord true worship, he served the Lord fully. 
He gave the Lord his best. And because of that, notice the Lord spent time with Abraham. In fact, because the Lord knew the heart of Abraham here, that's why he showed up in the first place. Maybe the Lord never shows up for us because, well, we never have time for him anyway. Oh, that we had to be servants. If we only had a servant's heart like Abraham had, you and me here today, I wonder if that would change how God would interact with you and with me. We have to ask ourselves, look, don't let someone judge you. Hey, don't judge me, bro. Okay, well, good, fine. How about you judge yourself? Why don't you examine your own heart here? We have to ask ourselves, are we a servant or do we just like to be served? Which is it for you? The church today needs more servants to carry on with the work of the Lord. We and my wife, me and that woman right there, we started this church 10 years ago from scratch. It was me and her. We came and we moved to the city. We gave up everything we had. We moved here with empty pockets. We had nothing. We rented an old bank building over on Overland in Washington because we wanted to start a church that spoke the truth of God's word without compromise. And it's like, if that offends people, well, too bad because your problem's not with me. Your problem is with the word of God. Your problem is with him. I'm just the messenger because you might not always like to hear what God's word says, but we all need to hear what his word says. The church today needs more servants working in it to carry on with the work of the Lord. I wonder if you have seen anything here at core church you don't like. Maybe you don't like the way the preaching is done. Yeah, pastor, get off of there. I could do a better job than you. Yeah, give me the pulpit, okay? Well, okay, I understand that, okay? I get that. But maybe you see other things. Maybe you see something that needs repaired, cleaned, or replaced. Have you ever thought about you doing it? People come to me, hey, I don't like the way this looks, or I don't like the way, well, why don't you fix it? I mean, if you don't like it, why don't you come and fix it? Why don't you do it? Yes, it's easy to point out a need, but it takes time. It takes effort, it takes resources, and a heart that's willing to serve to fix it, right? Yes, the church that will make the biggest impact on their culture is the church whose people are most willing to get involved with the work. Amen. We have cameras, so we know who clapped, and so we're going to be calling you. No, (laughs) But we, like most churches, have a very solid core of people. That's why we get so much stuff done at this little church here. We get a lot done for the size of this church because we have a group of people that serve at this church, and they serve faithfully. You know who you are. But listen, they average about 10% of our congregation. I mean, obviously, we're way beat down from our congregation from what we normally have with because of COVID and what have you. But it's like we have basically the 10% of the people that serve here do 90% of the work. We have people working in the parking lot, people working the ushers. I mean, yeah, we have kind of a complicated thing. We've got massive LED screens and lights and all this and, you know, sound equipment and all this. And it's like, it all looks good. You know why it looks good? 
Because there's a lot of people that invest time in coming here and volunteer, running cameras, chasing me around. Well, he's pretty good. But it's like we have all these cameras. Why? Well, guess what? We got live stream services that are being watched all around the world. Pastor Shannon came to me last week and said, man, we have somebody watching in the Ukraine. Hey, if you're watching today, I'm calling you out in the Ukraine. You go. And so we have people in South Korea, up and down the East Coast, because we got 19 radio stations back there playing our program. So, you know, people are watching us all over, and the people in Texas, and they know who they are, and they've been supporting us every single week. They're from Texas. And so all these people that are watching, but it takes people to do all of the things that we do. Yes, more than ever, the church needs to shine brightly in this world that's filled with so much chaos. So much chaos. So people can come into a real relationship with God. We don't need any more religion. We don't need more stained glass windows. We need people that come into a real relationship with Christ. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. Did you know that church attendance has radically decreased in the last 10 years? Forget COVID. I'm talking before COVID happened. Church attendance has been dropping down. Most young people raised in the church today have become prodigals who no longer identify as Christians. Most millennials identify as religious nuns. No, they didn't become Catholics. They're religious nuns, spelled N-O-N-E-S, okay, meaning I'm nothing. I don't want to be associated with anything to do with religion. Since COVID, there are so many who have become nomads. They still identify as Christians, but they no longer attend church because most churches aren't opened and what have you. Yes, the church, the true believers of Christ must return our call to build up real disciples for Christ. Real disciples for Christ. It was D.L. Moody, one of the world's greatest evangelists, that said this, quote, I would rather put 10 men to work than to do the work of 10 men. Why? Because we're all supposed to be doing this together. Not just a pastor. It's all of us together working around. So we must do what in order for us to make true disciples in Christ? Well, the church needs to do two things. Number one. God has to be behind the movement. God has to be saying, look, I want you to do this, and I'm going to empower you to do this. There must be a calling. There must be a directive from heaven. And the church must be willing to teach the truth of God's word regardless of the outcome. So that's number one has to happen. Number two, the men and women of God, that's us as true believers, we must rise up, stand to our feet and be counted and be willing to work for the Lord. That's us. We all must come into this together. We must become servants. We must be willing to bow down like Abraham bowed down and worship the Lord. Then, like Abraham, he got up after he worshiped and he was willing to rise up He was willing to work. Consider the role that Abraham and Sarah play in the whole scope of the promised Messiah Savior coming. How God desired a people set apart for himself, that they would be part of the genealogy of Christ's birth. The start, and it all started with Adam and Eve through their son Seth. And yes, through their bloodline up to Abraham, through his son Isaac and his son Jacob, and going on through his son Judah, all the way down to the 
birth of Jesus Christ that started again with back with Adam and Eve. And why did Jesus come? Again, he would be born. God would be born into a man. Jesus Christ was fully man and he was fully God. So he was fully God, but yet he had skin and blood, just like you and me, skin and bone, all of these things. And he was born to die for the sin of the world. The creator coming to the earth as a man to die for his own creation. Crazy, but true. So now this pre-visitation of God the Son, it happens so that he could keep the genealogy all intact. Yes, God will confirm with Abraham the promise that the first son would be given to Abraham and Sarah. And that was a promise that he had made 25 years earlier, but it hasn't happened yet. He was 75 years old when the promise first came and it still hasn't happened. When is the promise going to happen? You ever feel like, hey, God, did you forget what you said? It's like, your word tells me this, your word says that, but it's like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Like with Bria, it's like she had miscarriage after miscarriage. It was just, it was killing her. It was breaking her heart. But yet God came through at the appointed time, just like God's going to come through here. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, Download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 